0: Hi, and welcome to Background Noises. My name is Nadia Sheikh. I'm an independent indie pop rock artist, and in this podcast, I am interviewing the unheard voices of the music industry from promoters to venue managers, sound engineers you name it. Been deeply affected by the consequences of the pandemic, and with this podcast, I just wanted to do my little bit to help voice their issues, their experiences, their thoughts, and to just have a really good conversation with very interesting people. Uh, So, thank you for joining me, and let's get it started. Thank you once again for joining me here at Background Noises. Today, I have a very good friend joining me as my guest. He got his first camera at age 19, and since then, he has shot some of the world's biggest stars, as well as always supporting new music. Names like The Jam, Paul McCartney, Ronnie Wood, Bruce Springsteen, U2, The Stripes, The Amazon, Man and the Echo, and so many more, including having shot the famous The Jam Shots at Chiswick Park. So please welcome Mr. Derek D'Souza. Hi, Derek. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Pleasure. Um, you, you have been in the photography world and more specifically in the music photography world for lots of years and you've had your work published in magazines, uh, photos exhibited at the National Portrait Gallery, you've done album artwork, for nonetheless, than uh, the jam. And, well, can you tell the listeners a bit more about how you got photography?
1: Um, I think I've always liked photography or but I always liked the idea of, of taking pictures and uh, my mum and dad bought a camera, I think that I was about, 12 or 13 for a family holiday to india um so any chance to take i've still got the camera actually because i kept it for nostalgic reasons um but any chance to pick up the camera and take pictures of that they always would but of course it's not like the digital now you could just take as many as you want you were limited by how many you know the rolls of film how many shots on the film getting them printed and processed it's quite expensive so you couldn't just go crazy with it you had to be limited in how much you could do but i always liked it whenever there was a chance um, and then later on i was um in my late teens i started going to gigs in london because i had quite a quiet upbringing really i didn't really go out much you know till i was probably 18 really um, i started going to gigs and i was just gigs were great i was loving it being a young man in london you know 18 years old going out and just never knew what the night would hold in store for you sometimes it'd be quite scary as well um, and where you're going to end up who you'd be end up with just never knew and um started going <laughs> to gigs and it was it was really scary sometimes cuz i mean look I, mean, I probably looked about 14 when i was 18 anyway um you know, i started going to gigs and then uh, and then i always wanted to get a camera so my dad said i think if I passed my exams that year he would buy me a camera so they bought us we are on holiday in guernsey so it was my my parents and it was my cousin and his parents so the two families were there on holiday and um my dad bought me this uh this petri mf1 camera which i've still got by the way he was he told me later on he was sure it was a nikon but i was him it wasn't um at the time there was it was choice of two cameras because they were obviously expensive but these were i think it was about 60 quid fifty quid, something like that so it was this this one or this really heavy russian camera i didn't like the other one just seemed really bulky so i so i went with the petri Anyway, I um, started taking pictures, kind of got into it. As I was going to gigs, I thought maybe we could try taking pictures at a gig. So I think I then, by this, in the short time, I changed to another camera because this had just like a little lens and I got a bigger camera. Um, and the first gig I ever took photographs, I think it was this one, I'm pretty sure. It was at the Jam at the Rainbow in November 79. And I was so excited, to have to sneak my camera in and I got, you know, probably maybe... 20, 30 rows from the front, uh, on the right hand side of the stage. And um the pictures were awful. Just, just I think I got about two or three shots, maybe. <coughs> Excuse me, a couple of Bruce, one of Rick, and none of Paul, who's you know, one of my heroes. Because it was the lighting was so was bad, I had no idea what I was doing. There was nowhere to no Google to find out. I tried to do research before, but no luck. I never actually, I never actually took photographs in the Rainbow officially. I only ever sneaked my camera yeah. in there. <laughs> so um, I, I was never shooting from the pit. I was always shooting from the audience. Yeah, which is obviously much harder.
0: Yeah, and what's what's the difference of the vibe? Because obviously, it's not the same to be able to get up close and personal with a band in a small venue that you literally, even if you're sneaking your camera in, and you're like two rows in you're still pretty much in the singer's face versus playing to I don't know uh, sorry not playing uh, taking pictures in a venue that's like so big that there's a pit like between you and the band and they're like higher up so all the pictures I mean the pictures from from like straight lower down down. I
1: don't know what you mean I do actually understand what you mean if if, if it's somewhere like um, you know uh, 229 the venue yeah I've seen you there, but there's a there's a bigger room and and that's a higher stage. The stage is probably like up to this height. Yeah.
0: So if you're close
1: to, get... to the front, you're really almost looking up the guy's nose.
0: Yeah. And
1: exactly. really, you want to be a little bit, but there's no pit there. Um. So really, if there's a pit, you really want a stage where, or like something you can almost like a barrier where you can sit down behind the barrier, because so that way you're not blocking the view of the people behind you, yeah. and you can move about as well otherwise if 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 you're in the audience you can't always move well you can try to move but if it's rammed you can not you yeah. can't you don't have any other choice um and and if there's no pit uh, yeah sorry if there's no pit like say the hundred club you just got to rely on people uh, being kind enough to let you in for a couple of minutes and then go somewhere else yeah but people don't always do that either but um yeah so yeah all those all these things make a difference and I think I tend to look at the venues now as a as a photographer first if I'm gonna take pictures of the band. Say you were playing four venues, and I knew the four venues were going to do. Two of them might be really difficult for photographs, so maybe go to the other two. Yeah, if it was a choice like that, obviously you'd like to do them all, but you yeah. just got to look and say sometimes you know that's the better option yeah. as a photographer for these reasons.
0: I guess that like brings me also to just kind of mentioning another of the of the parts that that I mean that's why I did this podcast to kind of like shine a light on all the different puzzle pieces that create this ecosystem of live music, especially at the grassroots level, because without the grassroots level, you can't get to a higher level. And sure. that brings me down to lighting engineers. The same way you can pick a venue because of the sound, the quality, not only of the system that they might have in place there, the engineer does a lot. Obviously, if, you've, if you can afford to have your own engineer, that's great because, you know, you're traveling... Yeah. With your sound and they know you and and what you want and the sound you want. But lighting as well. Like sometimes people don't realize there's someone next to the sound engineer pressing buttons and, and changing colours. And that makes such a big difference to a show, not just for photography, just for for the perception you as a as an audience member get from a show. If a big drop comes and uh the mosh pit starts and the strobes I mean, it's gonna feel even better than it if it's just like a static white light on the stage. But yeah, it's super important lighting for for a show and also for photographers.
1: I try and explain to people. Um, I do love my, my analogies in life. But I, I say I explain to people: it's photography. Light is lighting is as important for the, for the photographer as the on-stage sound is for the band. Because you can do a gig where at the front everyone thinks it sounds great but you'll come off and say it was awful i couldn't hear properly could hear the drums could hear the bass whatever it is and 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 for us as a photographer for me as a photographer it's exactly the same if the lighting is not very good then you struggle you know and i always say other oh, photographers are always moaning about lighting only because it's not something that's in our control whereas if i'm doing a shoot i have much more control over the lighting um at a gig i don't um generally speaking i don't um and there are a lot of, there's, I guess there's, there's good lighting engineers and there's lots of good lighting engineers and the same for sound. Um, but but I think a lot of places, the light, lighting is either seen as secondary. So they don't always have qualified lighting engineers. They have a guy who does the lighting, but that's not a lighting engineer. That's two very different things. Um, I've actually wanted to do a lighting engineer course myself. <laughs> but then the trouble is, I thought, because I, I think it's important to understand, True. but then I think if I did it, and you go along, I mean, there's no way the lighting guy is going to take any notice of me. It'll be even worse. A photographer with a bit of knowledge about, you know, about yeah. lighting, um, is going to be even more of a pain. You know, you can't say what you want to do is this. Yeah. Because it'll be... Sorry, who are you?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I did um, a gig for an ABBA tribute band, for ABBA Arrival, really good band. And they did it in a, in a theatre, so the lighting was better. The fact that the lighting there was better than a lot of the gigs I've been to at proper venues, you know. Um, they've got their own crew that goes around with them everywhere. So it's the whole sound crew, the lighting guy, everybody. Sense. Which makes such a difference for them because they, they, they get exactly what they want each time. Obviously, there's, there's some constraints with the venues. Um, but when I I had a talk with him before, what we were going to do, and I explained to him, he said, oh, what, more blue, white, more white, and, and did it. And he knew exactly what I wanted. And the shots were, were really sharp. Because he he was so he knew exactly what when I explained it to him he knew exactly what I meant and he could deliver it whereas some other you know some other guy wouldn't necessarily do that so it made a huge yeah. difference trouble is it then spoils you for the next gig when you know it's back to in the dark yeah <laughs> but yeah it's hugely important it's you know it's it's the light we work in. and one thing I often think if you if you watch a film films are lit very specifically it's not just random I mean, some bits might be the location and what it is but most of it is lit to get an effect with photography we don't have generally the budget or the equipment to to, to, to recreate that so it's much more difficult to do that Yeah. whether only I mean, only not a gig but even just going out and doing a shoot you don't have a team of like 20 people who are going to bring yeah. big screens to diffuse the sun or lighting to make it look like it's two o'clock in the morning when it's really four o'clock in the afternoon it's it's yeah. it's a whole different way of working yeah but, i guess amazing.
0: it's you just have to adapt to to the circumstance circumstances Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and do your best work with what you've got and, and i guess like, it, yeah. sometimes by doing those kind of things you stumble upon like happy accidents that make what you've done special
1: yeah definitely definitely and if you don't try you don't, you don't learn and exactly I I think the more I, the more I learn about photography, the more I realise how little I know, and I've really barely just scratched the surface of this of this whole subject. That I'm never going to learn. I mean, I don't need to learn it all, but it's so much that you can learn with it. And yeah. even when you see at the gig, often if you see him in black and white, sometimes a black and white shot is it looks fantastic. It's not always because it was the best shot like that. Yeah. It's because the lighting was so difficult. that The only way to show it without it looking like a terrible picture I used to do it in black and white it's not always people think oh being creative in a way it is a form of creativity because you've got no shot otherwise yeah. but it's not creative to be out of choice you know
0: um we've been talking about your time taking pictures for the jam but you're incredibly active in the gigging scene as well and you go to live shows every week well you used to before the pandemic how many gigs would you go to in a week
1: um it's not like a set thing it's not like you know, I've got a regular class I go to on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Yeah. It's, it's just what comes up. I mean, I might, I might have, I think I've had seven gigs in nine days before and do my day job. And then I might not have anything for a week or two weeks. It just depends. Yeah. But the bands, yeah, it's, there's, no, there's no pattern to it at all. It's just, it's, obviously the worst thing is you've got two bands you want to see on the same night playing in different places. You can't yeah. do it. But that's obviously a difficult thing. And I think, like, like most things in life, once you've already got something in the diary, if I said I'm going to come shoot someone's van and, and, a, and a, another, not necessarily a better offer, but something that comes up that like maybe you'd rather do, then you just got to, you don't, you know, you just yeah. got to say, I already committed to this one, then you find another time. But just as many, not as many as I can, it's just the, the, the worst thing is the more bands I like, the more the, more the diary tends to fill up. Yeah, you know, So when people say, "Oh, you've got to listen to this band," and they're great, it's like I don't really need another good band yeah. to find that I like because I've got enough already. Yeah, but I can't really answer the question. It's just the only way I could look back is I uh, maybe I'll count up what how many gigs I did in a year. Yeah. But uh, if it's any to give an example, this this helps at all. From the second week of March to the first week of June, I had 33 events in my calendar. Two of them are comedy shows. So 31 of those were gigs so that's six week period hang on don't pull my sorry um, ten weeks so 30 so, so that road works out so 30 gigs so call that three gigs a week
0: and how how has the pandemic affected this activity for you
1: well I just I just looked at it I just looked straight away and I thought that's that's it none of these none of these events are going ahead it, um, it's not going to happen um, I made that decision myself before they were cancelled, because I, I just knew from my own situation, the risk factors that I had, what was going on with my work, you know, the people I was close to, what you know, the risk to them, I just made that assessment and said, I'm not going to any of these events, whether they go ahead or not, I'm not going. So that was it. Was actually, I can't believe how easy a decision it was. Um, uh, as it turned out, they were all they're all cancelled. I think if they if they'd gone ahead, it would have been harder because you'd be thinking. You're missing out. Well, I wish that I wish I was at this one or tonight I would have been here.
0: Yeah.
1: But they didn't go ahead without me, so it's not like I missed out. And I know a lot of people, I see, I see it on social media, people saying, oh, tonight I'm supposed to be going to see this gig at this place and it's, but the gig's not going ahead, so why beat yourself up over it? It's just, I, I haven't looked, been, there would have been loads of dates, like even beyond June, that I had booked in, gigs that would have come up. But I don't look at them at all because I know I'm not going to any gigs. Yeah. So I don't even worry about what's in my, my diary. Is a bit of a blank space. At the moment. I don't yeah. use the diary, really. I just don't need to do it. So yeah. I'll sort of answer the question. Maybe, you know.
0: No, yeah, have definitely. Probably,
1: have like three you know, two or three, take a couple of gigs a week, probably. Um, would you Would
0: you go to a socially distanced gig?
1: I, I would. Um, I've seen a few. I'd have to be, having been so careful for seven months, I'm not just about, I was trying to explain to someone yesterday, I was I'm not using another analogy. It was like I said, imagine you if you carefully worked your way three quarters the way across a minefield, and in the last quarter you're just gonna suddenly run, you just wouldn't do it. Why would you take that chance? So yeah. I'm I'm really reluctant to go to go unless I felt really confident. I'd rather rather be alive, get through all of this, and then next year when the bigs come back, be in a position to go. Because that that's still that's how I it, it's such a. It is a serious. Not to scaremonger or panic or anything like that, or just be fearful. It is a risk, and so why would I take that risk? Hmm. A couple of beers and a gig, I wouldn't. I won't even know beers and a gig. I just wouldn't take the chance. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I have one thing I've been to is I've been to a live streaming gig, um, up in Birmingham. That was really good because it was really well managed. It was only the crew there. Band and a couple of family members. Nobody shook hands. Nobody hugged. It was, you know, elbows and fist bumps. You know, um, and I felt quite, quite quite fine with it. Um, yeah. If I wasn't comfortable. I, I would have had to change my opinion on it. But um, yeah. so so I've I seen people going. So the only thing is, I've seen people go to some gigs and it's great. And you know, everyone said they've been felt very safe. And then afterwards, I will see photos of people with the band and then the other groups of people together, and it's. But then you've had the whole evening where you've been socially distant, and when it comes to the end, you can all that. Yeah, and it's really difficult. It is difficult, so I wouldn't. I'd would rather not be in that position.
0: Yeah. Well, and currently, currently in the UK, I mean, you don't have to. If you're going down the street, you don't have to wear a mask. So I'm assuming that in these, for example, that that gig, people because they didn't officially have to wear one they wouldn't be wearing a mask. They'd be socially distanced, but they wouldn't be wearing a mask. If they had to wear a mask, would you feel safer to go to a gig? Say if you had a socially distanced gig and everyone had to be wearing a mask, would you feel safer to, to go to one of these events?
1: I think so. I think you've got to look at the things you have to look at are how how does this, how is this, um, the the word, I'm gonna say disease. Um, how is this? How is it? How is it transmitted through contact? So if it's are you taking something in through your nose and mouth, but your eyes are also vulnerable as well. If somebody sneezes at you and it goes in, you know, goes in your eye, that you could catch an infection that way. You, obviously, I think that I think what I heard over the weekend that there may be a lesser extent on hard surfaces than they thought before. But Again, they're still learning about it, so I don't know about that. but I look. So what do you touch? Have you touched a table and touched your face? Such a doorknob, somebody else has touched and touched it. so many things like that. Again, not to be extreme or fearful, but they are risks. So it's about trying to minimise the risk.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, if you had to, if you had to do it, to get out of a building because it's on fire and, and nobody's got a mask on, you'd do it. But to do it for something, I don't know. I think I I'll just be really reluctant. Um, that's, and that's no that's no disrespect to anybody putting on gigs. I know know venues are desperate and they're struggling, trying to put things on, people are desperate to get out there and see the gigs. But I think the thing I've learned after seven months of this situation is, ultimately, we can only be responsible for our own actions and our own risk factors, because everyone's risk factors are different. You know, my dad's elderly, is mum's elderly. Um, I have to think of them as well as myself, you know? so. It's a very long answer, but yeah. this is what I mean about it. it's not things not being black and white, you know. Yeah, no. It's it, everyone has to make their own decision. I don't criticize people who do go; that's up to them. But it doesn't mean I have to go, and no, I, and that definitely. doesn't mean that I shouldn't be I should be criticized for not going either.
0: And and I I really respect the fact that because you're you've got elderly people around you, the fact that you're caring for them and thinking not only of yourself and what you want to do, but for their health and their safety as well that's really respectful like res- respectable
1: respectful no you're right you're right you're right the first time
0: uh, respectful and respectable respectful from you and respectable towards you because if my
1: father um he he's 89 caught the disease virus that's what i was trying to copy before i can't believe i think of the word virus um if he caught the virus he's got yeah, some issues with his chest it could be really serious for him Yeah. so why would I take that chance? I mean, it's hard enough trying to keep him inside and not go and do things. You know, you know Chris is great. She'll go and get shopping for him. And we're trying to say to him, we will get everything you need so that you don't go. Yeah, It's just trying to just get him to be careful. and I think he thinks we overdo it. But, you know. Yeah. Anyway. It's, 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 it's a tough one, anyway.
0: <laughs> let's, let's talk about something a bit more bright and cheerful. <laughs> um you're an amazing supporter of new music and I know you love Ruse, and you regularly shoot their shows as many as, as well as many other bands. Uh, and I know you're a big fan of the stripes. You went to the U S to shoot their tour and everything. Um, do you find a difference between shooting small bands and bigger acts?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the bigger the band, the more people you have to get through to get to the right person, to get to take the pictures. If that makes sense. Yeah. If it's if, it, if it's a small gig with a hundred people, knowing say it's someone in the band or the promoter or the venue is probably enough to get you in. If it was you know the bigger the gig,
0: yeah,
1: the harder it gets. So if you know you could be best best friends with someone in the band who's playing a big gig, but that doesn't mean you're going to get a pass. Yeah. It's, it's it's not the band members always decide. Depends which band it is and who it is as well, obviously. But it's getting to that right person, and for me, I always try to get to the right person. There's, there's a chain of command you have to get go yeah. through to follow to get to that person. So if it's the tour manager, that's the guy you want to speak to. Not I've learned don't, don't bother with the record company because they're not always the right. They're certainly not the right people. Yeah. Tour manager is the he's the one who gives out the passes. He's the one whose names who sees that those names are on the list. You know. Um, so yeah, definitely the bigger the band harder it is but not always that's kind of a, as a rough guide only simply because there's more levels of detail of people to get through the bigger the back the bigger the, the whole thing is
0: yeah you
1: Unless know that's, that's, that's right just, just how, but uh, it does depend on but you know i wouldn't say it's it's the band or the people um i have to give a big shout out to these guys but the rifles i think they're i would say they're a medium-sized band um but they're brilliant they're, they're there's no heirs or graces. They just make it so easy for me. They always give me AAA, which means, and not because I want to go in the dressing room or drink their beer. It's, you know, it's I, just, I want the better access I've got, means I've got less hassle at the venue. Yeah. You know, I won't get somebody stopping me and say, oh, why are you going? You can't go there, even though it's already been agreed. So the AAA for me means I have, I can do a better job of what I want to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Not because I want to get in the dressing room. Does that, that make sense? Yeah. Whereas if you've got a phone pass, then it's going to be, you can't go here, you can't go there, you're only going to yeah. do three songs and, and and there's all these restrictions that go with it. Yeah. So that's the reason, I. that's what I always aim for. Um, and certainly I'll get to learn the venues. You get to know, say for example, an O2 venue, you've got to have it much more information. You need to make sure up front okay. it's all agreed because I think, say, several times I, I've had the right pass, but then they said, you know, get stopped by security, you can't get in, you can't go, oh no, it's a support band, you can't take pictures of them. And it's you, know, then, you end up, then you go back to the box office you speak to someone else and then you come back out and you miss the miss one of the bands so it's yeah. you just get to learn mm. uh, and it does not, still doesn't make it always easy on the night but I think if you do the homework you know it, it, the, the pre- preparation is probably a better word do the preparation yeah. it, it tends to avoid problems on the night
0: yeah that's cool um obviously we, we've been talking about your work shooting gigs um but you've had your work exhibited and published in many different places you've, you've had your work i mean i was reading the other day a, a, an article that the enemy did about you about your chiswick park photos but apart from all the press and and everything you've done how did it feel to see your work at the national portrait gallery that must have been quite cool oh, i have to admit i am not i've not
1: actually seen my picture there <laughs> i know it's there but i haven't seen it but then it might sound silly, but I know what the picture looks like. To yeah. go there to see it would be, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think there's something we've, we've spoken to a few people, and they've said if a group of us weren't up there to do it, it would be quite a nice outing. But to go there on my own, look at the picture, I could see in my mind just by yeah. shutting my eyes, it would seem more, does that seem, I don't know. It sounds like, it sounds like I, don't, I don't care, and that's, that no, could be I, further I from think- the truth it's I mean, um
0: it's, it's, there's different ways of seeing it like
1: it's it's, it's lovely it's, to see i mean so silly, silly things for me is um uh, i remember going to a record shop in tenerife it's just like a little record shop in los cristianos and there was a jam CD there with my pictures in. and i, and I was kind of looking around so excited to think one of, one of my pictures has left the shores of the uk and blown yeah. to an island off the coast of africa and spain they're all um but there was nothing to tell so you know just said to smile to myself and enjoy the moment. Yeah. So things like that are quite nice. And I think thinking of, you think of um, silly things like, you think, I think of uh, CD covers or record covers that are in people's houses. I don't know how many houses that my pictures, you know, if you'd said to me, you know, 40 years ago, your picture would be in you know 10,000 people's houses, which I don't know, I've no idea the numbers, it might be more than I don't know.
0: It probably it's more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe, yeah. And it just, if you said that, it would be, that's quite a big thing, you know, to think of it like that way. Um, so that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like, it's a, it's a little thing. And, and especially, there's just things that make, like, little moments of realisation that make it special. For example, I, I, I wouldn't have thought about how many houses, obviously I'm not a photographer and I'm not in the position you are, but... Not yet. So, it's something... <laughs> it's something I wouldn't have thought about how many houses is is the CD with my pictures in at and yeah for example the little it's funny to see to see the different scenarios and and the different things like for example you haven't even been to the to see your work at the National Portrait Gallery but you saw your CD or your picture in the CD in Tenerife and that kind of just like gave you a moment of like Oh my God, my picture is here in Tenerife. So that's—I think that's—that's yeah. that's very nice. I think that's like, that's just your moment. No one else was there. That's just yours.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, the enemy thing was great, but I can honestly—it sounds a bit naff, but it's—it's it's the truth. Is somebody coming up to me, gig and saying to me that that my pictures of the jam or their favourite ever pictures of the band meant more because that's. Can't ask for it any better than that, I don't think. Yeah. It's been nice having a small number of people say that. But even if it was just one person said it to me about their favourite band, it doesn't have to be the jam, anybody. Somebody said that's my favourite picture or my favourite band or or something like that. Yeah. Or the artist saying it's their it's their favourite picture of themselves, or, or that kind of thing. It's, it's private I mean, you look in the bank and there's nothing there.
0: Yeah. But
1: it's not always about that. And that's those these, these kind of moments are Precious and priceless, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, you—you you even release books with your
1: pictures in them. Yeah, which is which is again. If you said to me ten years ago, you know, you'd have a couple of books out, um, you know, pictures in other people's books, and and all these things. Yeah, you yeah. think no, it's never going to happen. It's yeah. it's almost it does sound weird as well to say it, but it's almost like there's me, and then there's Derek D'Souza. Derek D'Souza, I don't say my own name, Derek D'Souza, the photographer. Whereas this, this kind of life who goes off and does these things and but it obviously is me it's just it doesn't I think sometimes people, other people's perception of it is different from what it really is.
0: Yeah. And I guess for, for example for you because you were a big fan of the jam well, when you were sneaking in those cameras yes. and taking pictures say there was 150 pictures in, in one of those roles you've got 150 moments even if they're blurry even if they're badly lit even if they're I don't know you see? The, the floor you like by accident those are 150 moments that you that you that you've got that no one else is going to see those pictures maybe ever (laughs) but but they're yours and when you see them it takes you back to a moment and no one else can see that because you've captured it and it's yours that moment is now yours so i guess like that's what makes it special it's and it's seeing things through your eyes i i see a pic one of your pictures and obviously I've known you for, for quite a few years now and we've had loads of conversations and I'm still amazed at the way you see things and and the little things you pick up on that I might look at and I'm like not even see it. So it's seeing reality or a moment through someone else's eyes, in this case yours.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I think that's another another reason I think why this pandemic has not been so hard for me with the gigs is. It's allowed me time to catch up on, because obviously if you go to three gigs a week and take pictures, that's all those photographs you've got to. Now, one night of taking pictures is five nights of work. Go through them all, process. So obviously, you know, it doesn't take long to get behind. So in this six, seven months, I've been looking at gigs of photographs, of, of working through those pictures. So it's almost, it takes me back to that feeling of what it was like being at the gig. Yeah. So it's not like I haven't been to a gig for seven, I might not have been to a gig for seven months, but in my mind and sitting there working on it, I'm back in the gig. You know, yeah. I haven't been in the gig for two nights because I was working on photographs two nights ago. Um, and then I'll often listen to either the band whose whose photographs I'm working on, or something completely different. You know, yeah. it just depends on how I feel. But then if it's the band that I'm working on, then it's like it's even more like you're at their gig because you're working, at, and when you see the picture on the big screen. Or, you know, it looks, it's like that moment of a gig um, and then you come across something you think, oh, I never, didn't realise I got that shot and yeah. it's yeah, the excitement of being back there again, you know, which you didn't always know at the time. It's uh, I'm sure it helps, it's very um, not cathartic, I can't think of the word but it, it helps me not worry about not going yeah. to gigs and I'm really not worried about it at all. Yeah. So maybe that may be part of the reason why for me and um, another reason, I think one of the thing with it is I don't have I've only got two pictures of mine up in the house um, yeah. and, and well Chrissy's got one done the other one's actually Chrissy's anyway so I don't actually have any of mine but then if I shut my eyes again I could I could see thousands yeah, of really. my pictures without having to go to the iPad or the computer or yeah. a book to look so yeah. uh, that might sound weird like that.
0: no not at all you e- know even I'm not sure if you thought about this ever, you probably have, but you've contributed to, to, to history, to popular culture history in the UK, because I, I don't know what, what year you, you shot the Chiswick Park pictures, but everyone's still talking about them today. And that's history. And, oh, no. and 20, 30 years from now, that record is is history and is very important for, for popular culture in the UK, especially. And is that is literally the picture is there? it's part of that album. It's as important yes. as the music because people relate those those sounds to that image. See, I mean, you probably are, but I'm proud of you. I'm, pr- like, I'm proud of you and proud for you for that. So it must be quite surreal to, to even... Think. You were even in a BBC documentary about the jam. I saw you there before I met you, actually. <laughs> Funny enough. Yeah, do
1: things like that are weird. But you don't i don't really you don't really think about them probably for that reason because it is almost like too much like that if you still i mean you don't want to be thinking about things of you know when i'm dead and gone my picture's still going to be hopefully in the national portrait that's thats, that's, that's a kind of i don't know if that's a sad i don't know if that's a good thing well it is a good thing of course because we're only here for the time we're here so it's quite nice to have that just in this in the same way not well, maybe to the same extent but it's, there's that association with that music so yes the music will, some of that music will live forever and and maybe some of those pictures will be associated with it which would be great um yeah that's that's a good thing i think but i still the, the difficult thing about the jam pictures for me is that it was my first ever photo session you know i've never done a session with anybody before so i had no experience at all and and as delighted as i am it's it was the one where I knew the least, you know, and uh, and all that time I've been learning, and I know so much more now. And it's almost like imagine you—I don't know—you play for twenty years as a musician, and people only ever talked about fifty feet. Yeah. You know, that was the first one, maybe that you're not the first, but you know, maybe that sort of thing of yeah. that one at that time. And you'd, you'd say, "Yeah, I love fifty feet," but I've done. Four albums, of five yeah. tours, this, this and the other, you know, since then. And the work I'm doing now is better for these reasons and I and I'm happy, whatever it is, that's kind of how it is for me, a little bit, because yeah. <coughs> um, it's not like it's not that I'm a one trick pony. Somebody said the other day, oh, you've dined out on that session. Um, and it was like, yeah, I am to some extent, but not. <laughs> Of my own choice, it's kind of, it's almost um, not forced upon me, but sometimes something is something that people want to talk about because they do. But I've I've had people introduce to me at at a gig to somebody, and they said, and that's the first thing they've said to them. And if the person's interested, great. But if they're not, I feel foolish and embarrassed, and I haven't even said anything, you know. And it's like, so it's it's a difficult one. Don't get me wrong; I'm fiercely proud of it, but. Um, it was would never be the subject. I think I'm going to mention. In fact, yeah. it came up at work recently, and I've been there getting on for three years. And people didn't know because I hadn't told anybody. I specifically said to my new boss, "I'm a new guy coming in. That's that's what I want to be a new guy. Learn, get the grips with my job, and the other stuff. If it comes out naturally in time, then great. Yeah. But I don't want it to be distracted from what I'm here to do. You know? Yeah,
0: that's and that that's because you're humble as well
1: yeah well that's not it's a good thing to win. i think don't get me wrong I, i'm sure i have my moments but and i'm and i am proud of the stuff but i right i so when i see people who are arrogant about things it just really puts me off
0: yeah
1: and i'd rather rather people it makes me want to go the other way
0: yeah you know? no, and i definitely. see
1: you and i mean things like i know we've, we've talked about stuff lots of things and um the way i see you behave and you know with your folks and the whole thing and and i see this and i see a similar thing and it makes it's it becomes, it makes it more attractive to work with someone who's like that, who's not full of it, you know, Somebody who's, who's clearly got talent. And, um, but it's just still have can still be decent. You haven't got to be, you know, talented and be, a, you know, unpleasant. Know in any way. No.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: I well, know, no, it's true. I mean, I think that's why it worked, you know. I mean, when we were in the studio recently, pretty special for me to stood there while you're singing the vocals. That's like, I always have to come and go. <laughs> kind of pinch myself moment. It's like, because I just see how you've progressed. So like you said to me, I'm, and I'm proud and pleased for you of what, you, of what you've achieved and what, what you're going to achieve and where you are. And just sitting there watching you singing, you know, and it's like, doesn't get any better. As the song said, it doesn't <laughs> get better than this.
0: Yeah. God, got that. Yeah, I haven't
1: one. prepared that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, what you were talking about before, obviously, I did see the Jam um, documentary. But I first came to know you because of your pictures of the Stripes because I was a big fan of the Stripes. Um, and I knew you because of, I kind of knew you because of that. And then funny enough, if it wasn't for small venues and grassroots uh, grassroots music, I wouldn't know you because I, I supported you at a gig, a Stripes gig. Um, and I just went and said hi because I just generally really liked your pictures. And it kind of like, we ended up becoming friends, but if it wasn't for that small gig, we wouldn't be chatting right now.
1: No. Well, it's one of these sliding doors moments, isn't it? Yeah.
0: You
1: know, that expression, you know, if you'd have, got, if you'd have taken the left turn and you, and you took it and you went right, things would be different. And, and I think life is so much of life is made up of these I don't know, coincidences or fate or whatever it is. But, you know, you miss that bar to get on the next one and something else happens, you know, or... Yeah. But I'm glad you did. And I, I, I know I said I joked with you afterwards, but I remember you saying to me at the time because it's at Coco. And I remember that I remember that night, I had a stinking cold. I felt miserable.
0: <laughs> and I
1: was felt rough because of the cold. And it was so hot in the gig. Uh, but it was a great night. And I remember talking to you after it was rammed in the foyer. I remember speaking to you after. And um, and you said to me, Oh, I'm a musician. And I was thinking, my first thought was, Oh no, I just oh, no oh no, but I just hoped it would be good because I was so worried. There's nothing worse than hearing those words. Somebody hands you a CD or sends you something to listen to and you don't really like it. Then we'll use it. I mean, I'm not so heartless as to say I would never say it was awful or I just said maybe it's not for me or whatever. But then obviously, seeing 50 Feet, watching the video and hearing it was like being blown away by the song. Then you dedicated it to me and Chrissy at one of the gigs and all these little these, all these things get remembered you know and it's all
0: important I have to say well for anyone listening because she's she's come up a few times Chrissy is Derek's wife oh <laughs> right, yeah Um, but yeah thank you so much because since since that day or since we met you've you've been to any gig you've been able to of mine and taken pictures and always supported so so I appreciate that a lot you know it I've told you before but you know it and
1: for anyone yeah, listening no, it's all right.
0: thank you for anyone listening, if if you want to check out, um, if you want to find out more about Derek's work, I'll be putting a link in the description to his website and his socials. And you can, you can find out his pictures, you can buy his prints. He's got books as well. Um, and also I will put the usual Music Venue Trust and Save Our Venues links, Save Our Venues links for more information on the situation and where you can donate or just share, share the knowledge and get more information. Um, yeah, what do you think anyone listening, any music lovers or fans, can do to support the ecosystem? And this is like really weird times.
1: Um, well, I know obviously you can't go to the gigs. Obviously, that's 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 really difficult. But what you can do, what people can do, is you know, everyone's got everyone got to look at their own circumstances. If you can, you can, it's like anything. Give what you can afford. If you can afford to buy the merchandise, buy the merchandise. You know, buy don't buy the CD and copy it off your mate. You know, buy your own copy. Buy the merchandise. If you if you collect vinyl, buy the vinyl. Um, you know, bands don't make a lot of money on this stuff, but it's what they it's what they need to keep going. So um, you know, support them in that way you can. Merchandise is hugely important. You know, so that that's the first thing people can do. Um, just keep supporting the the bands. At the, obviously, when the gigs return, I'm sure people will go back, and that will all help. But it's, it's between now and then. That's the problem. My worry is that so many people will will, or so many people in the industry, whether it's an artist or a guy who works security at the venue, or somebody who works at the bar, or the sound engineer, or guy in the in the backline crew, these people are gonna have to make, gonna have to find a way to make a living. So they'll be looking for other jobs because they won't have a choice if they can't get do what they want to do or their their current job. And look for alternative employment. <coughs> Excuse me. And what that will all then, what will also happen, you'll end up with you know, the people that are unemployed, but the people who've lost jobs during this time. Then you might have a whole group of people in that whole in- entertainment industry and uh, and the arts looking for other employment now reducing the amount of jobs available. So, if you that know, help the way you can. I think, I think merchandise, photos of the band are selling stuff. Any band I've worked with, I've said, that we're happy to. You know, do posters and prints, help you to raise some money, you know, for the fans to get by. Just anything to bring a bit of money in to keep people's head above water, really. Um, you know, don't look and think, you know, if you're going to go to a gig and you spend 15 quid on a ticket and 30 quid on the night out, 45 quid, then you then you can't go to the gig. Then make sure at least you buy the merch, you know. Mm. Oh. That's, that's There's not much, else, I think, apart from making donations, I think. And not everybody always wants to do that. And I don't think all the bands would ask for that, but you could support them in in the right way by buying their stuff.
0: Well, if you can, everyone, it's funny because everyone kind of comes back to this, but if you can, if you can't, obviously it's a very tough time for everyone and you don't have to, but if you can say you were going to a gig instead of say paying for a ticket if you join if you join a live stream an artist live stream if you can and you want to you can then go and buy a t-shirt of them or if you can't afford to to buy a t-shirt then share their music share the music with your friends Uh, listen to them on spotify um share their videos um i don't know add their songs to your playlists if you can if you've got a regular regular venue you go to you can you can donate to them instead of spending I don't know 15 pounds on a gig that you're not going to go to then give them a fiver because that might help the owner of that venue survive another day or feed their children if you can obviously we know it's a really tough time for everyone so we don't want anyone to do anything that like they can't do but if you can and you you're willing to support this cause then by all means find the best way for you to do it even if it's just a share or just raising awareness, it, it, everything is good. Um, before we leave, I want to ask you three very quick questions, Derek. I'm gonna say the three, everyone just kind of like says the first one and then forgets about the other two, but anyway, I'm gonna say them out. What's the thing about live music that you that makes you the happiest? Tell us a funny anecdote and share a positive message with us. Um, the
1: thing I love most, it's probably a number of things, but. It's, it kind of all comes together. It's that. Um, let me think. Um, obviously, I love I love the music. So first of all, I'm a fan when I go to gigs. Um, I'm there with other fans. I mean, one of the huge parts of of me going to a gig, it's on the one hand, if I if I, I might know 100 people at a gig, so the social side of it is brilliant for me. Um, but then sometimes it's nice to go to gigs where I don't know anybody as well. That's quite mm-hmm. nice as well, for a change. But I prefer the hundred. Occasionally, it's nice to have nobody. Um, so that's one part of it. It's a social thing. I think we get to see your fellow fans at gigs. Um, sometimes it's that you get the interaction with the band. Um, sometimes capturing the audience. But I think it's it's that always that thing of looking out for that whatever that shot means, trying to get something that kind of that can sum up the night. It's not that you set out to do it, but you are, I'm always looking for things. Sometimes, I mean, I've got shots of, you know, there's a shot of um, of the security guy for the Spitfires and one of the um, sons of one of the fans up on stage. And, that's the, and there's no picture of the band, but everybody was there that night knows that was what happened. And that night, so that to me sums up that night. Just yeah. kind of capturing a bit of what that, bit of the flavour of, because bear in mind, it's still picture, it's, it's just a frozen moment in time. It's not like a video where you can see everything that's happened before, during, you know, and afterwards. Um, It's just that frozen moment in time and it's trying to capture what that moment can mean. Sometimes in a picture, I've got one of um, the stripes and you see Pete is at the end of a gig in Dublin. (coughs) Excuse me, Pete's in the audience, you know. I've seen
0: it. I've seen that picture. (laughs) Uh, And
1: and Josh is walking off stage. He looks like his head down, looks like he's just utterly dejected, like a footballer walking off after having had a beating. But I think he was just... Visit, emotion, it just looks like he's probably emotionally and physically knackered from the performance. And they were, they were outstanding as they always were. But there's different things in that shot. You can see the, the faces of the audience going crazy with Pete and looking at the stage. I can see some of the family there. So there's, all, there's so many elements that make up a gig. And mm-hmm. it's just trying to capture a bit of that in it. Um, I always think that the best the best photo I'm ever going to take is one I haven't taken yet. That's a huge driving factor for me because if you think, if that's if I've taken the best picture I'm ever going to do, What's the point? So, carry it. so that that does that you know, that's that's I don't have to think, I, I must take a better picture tonight. I don't think of it that way, but if you keep trying to get better at what you do and you keep taking your pictures, then, you know, that's what will give you a chance, you know. Yeah. i stay at home and don't go to the gigs. I can't take pictures. So, it's not in a competitive way. It's just, I want to, you know...
0: Yeah, no, want it's, to it's, a good, it's a good, good way stuff. To, to go
1: by, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is that enough for the first one? I think that's yeah, enough yeah, for the yeah, first yeah. one.
0: We've got two more. Funny anecdote and positive message.
1: I should have thought of this one properly, really. Um, well, um, it's, it's kind of a known story, I think. But it, I think it is a funny anecdote because... Just for, just for what it was, it was the very last gig Jam played it was at the Brighton Centre in London in December 1982 and I could not get a ticket for Love Nor Money. I think I'd seen them eight times in the previous two weeks of that tour. This was, the added gig, final, the final one was going to be in Guildford and it added one more. Could not get a, t- get a ticket. Tried anybody who could hold of. There was no email then, you know, if you didn't have the number for somebody, that was it, you were stuck, so couldn't get a ticket. I've got to be at this gig because, you know, it meant such a lot to me. And, um, and then it was about, I think it was about, obviously, time memory gets a bit hazy. But like I said, I think there was maybe 10 or 15 of us at, at the back of the venue, the Brighton Centre of, in Brighton, obviously. Um, and when we climbed up into the back of the venue... Up this wall outside I've since been back there a couple of years ago and I see where it is I know where it is where the, or where the equipment gets loaded in um, all the backline stuff and everything <laughs> anyway we come out in this in this little bit and it was obviously the doors of the loading bay and as the, as the lights went down in between the songs people would go out from this of this group of people would go out running to the audience to get into the gig because once you're in the audience there's no getting you out you know um, so you know, a couple of thousand people there. Um, so have you ever, I don't know if you ever seen the film The Great Escape? But well, it was like the great escape in reverse, people were trying to break back into the place rather than get out. Um, but uh, when it came to my turn, just as I went to get out, the lights came up, the house lights came up. So I'm now stood like a you know, like a rabbit in the headlights. And I see that Jam's tour manager, he stopped, he wasn't the quickest guy, he was never going to catch it. And he started running towards me as much as he could run towards me. So I remember just running and doing a proper Superman dive, you know, hands out, over the barrier and into the audience. So I missed the start of the gig, but I got in.
0: Nice. And then, you
1: know, I had to ask gig. So that was a, I guess it was a funny story, really. Um, nice. Just the fact that, you know, it had to be there. Yeah, um, That's the only way. Actually, I thought of a funny one. Like that, maybe I'll sell, it, I'll sell it another time. Um, and the positive one is, it's, I was just saying, my involvement with the music it's been 40 years. I mean, it's been quiet for some of the time, but I'd say certainly the last eight to 10 years where some of this interest has you know, resurfaced in the band. And obviously a lot of people didn't know that I was involved or didn't know it was me doing this stuff because I never talked about it all the time. You know, A lot of this stuff was kind of tucked away. So just, just the reactions from people during that time. And then rediscovering my love of photography for gigs and going to gigs and, Talking to the people and me and meeting, you know, it's couldn't do it can't do without live music. It's a huge part of people's lives. So many people's lives. Not and it's not just for work, it's it's so much more to it than that.
0: It's life. You know,
1: music is Pardon?
0: It gives life to people.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean music it can take you back to a memory, it can take you back to a place. It could have like good memories, sad memories, and you know, certain music. Unfortunately, it's my mother passed away. But certain music will set me off. You know, it's hard to hear, but it's still good in a way because even though it's tough, you, it takes you back to then brings happy memories of, of that relationship. Um, yeah. So yeah, mu- so music is is such a big thing, and we've got to help it keep help it survive. It needs help. All the arts, not just music. There's so many creative people out there, but they are on hard times, and if they don't get help, they don't get support. I mean, the government. I'm not a fan of the government, but I do think Richard Sunak has done an incredible job in the most difficult circumstances. But there's still people falling through those gaps, and unfortunately, the entertainment, um, music industry, arts is a big chunk of people to fall through the gap. They need to be, you know, to be looked after in the way that other people are. They need support. They need help more than ever. True. And then. And it's also down to people as well. Don't, you know, don't think, don't complain when something's £7.50 for, a, you know, an online stream, or if you're watching the guy play for free, don't think, oh, I can watch this for free. Stick a couple of quid in the hat. You ain't got to spend, put your mortgage in it. But I think just like with charity, if people do what, it's not how much you put in, it's doing what you can afford, you know. That's the intention. And that's different for everyone. Yeah, if you, if you can afford a pound, and that's all you can afford, then that pound is worth more Somebody who can afford a hundred pounds. Obviously it's like more money going in, but it's yeah. somebody it's giving the what they can afford I think is is important.
0: Yeah.
1: Time time to give you know to give back a little bit as well.
0: well. thank you so so much for your time, Derek. It's been so lovely to catch up with you and to hear your brilliant stories. Thank you. I can't wait for the day that we're reunited in a small sweaty venue somewhere. But thank you all so much for tuning in and I will see you in the next episode of Background Noises. Right. See you too. It's not